Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide, that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. This is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have a returning guest, Dr. Bill McGraw. He's currently the owner and operator of the organic aquaculture company called Panama Fresh Organic. He grows large fresh organic shrimp and tilapia sold directly to customers in Boquete, Panama. Bill teaches the basics of aquaculture class on the internet. I've spoken to him about a number of subjects. He's really like, um, he's interested in a lot of different health-related topics. Uh, today, we're going to talk about aluminum and its effects in the human body and where people are exposed to it and how it accumulates in them. So, Bill, thanks for coming back. Well, thanks very much for having me back, Richard. It's great to be here. Yeah. Tell me about your history. What How did aluminum first come in your radar? And uh, why is it important to human health? Wow. Uh, what a story this is. It's a real mind blower. I've been listening to podcasts and people talking about chemtrails for the past decade. I've always wanted to get into it and have a real good look at it. And finally, that uh, that opportunity came up with a documentary called The Dimming. It was put together by a fellow named uh, Dane Wigington, who runs uh, geoengineeringwatch.org. And he, this two-hour documentary, it's mostly all about how he rents a plane with very specialized equipment. He flies up into the chemtrail and and samples uh, basically the chemtrail, flies through the chemtrail, takes a sample uh, and looks at the nanoparticulates of the of the actual chemtrail. He comes and flies back down uh, to, gr- to the ground and a- analyzes uh, what they filtered out of the atmosphere. And it winds up being aluminum, aluminum hydroxide. Well, you know, this documentary is a mind blower. And I really, it um, brought me to the point where I'm going to accept that it exists, even though I haven't really seen so many chemtrails. So I then went out and read, as as I have a tendency to do, read every single book on mercury toxicity and looked at most of the major research papers involved in mercury, or sorry, aluminum toxicity. I've got, uh, I've been working with mercury for so many years. Uh, look at all the uh, sources of books on aluminum toxicity. And 
you know, it was an absolute mind blower. Within the past few years, there's some major books that have come out dealing with aluminum toxicity, looking at the sources, how aluminum gets into the body, where it ends up, what kind of chronic disease it causes, and then how we get it out. And there's good news. It's much, much, much easier to remove aluminum out of the body than it is mercury. And I I knew all about that uh, for studying for so many years, uh, heavy metals, that is. Uh, So first... uh, one of the one of the big ones that probably everybody's affected is tap water. Uh, in the United States, 50% of all the tap water has an aluminum concentration of greater than 0.1 milligrams per liter. Now, this is associated with developing Alzheimer's and neurological disease. There are research papers that state this. The good news is if you have enough silica in the water or you're drinking silica-rich water in the form of orthosilicic acid, it will chelate all the aluminum that's in the tap water. Anything, Any other aluminum you're eating or gets into your body, and it will remove whatever aluminum is in your body bound to neurons. The big stunner here, one of the big things that I just have to reveal to everybody is that 85% of all the aluminum that you ingest ends up in your brain. Now, this is pretty twisted because what happens is that enters well, the brain. Quick question. You were talking about chemtrails and we kind of moved on to aluminum in general, but what was found in chemtrails and why was it there? Uh-huh. And I want to ask you, why is aluminum found in drinking water? You know, okay, in order. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so what happens is the chemtrails, supposedly these planes are flying into the atmosphere to release aluminum nanoparticulates to reflect the sun, okay, and uh, to deal with uh, so-called global warming. Okay, so that's the reason, so-called the reason that they're doing it. They're releasing all these aluminum particulates. They fall to the ground. They wind up contaminating the waters in places like California, where you see a lot of chemtrails. The waters there contain 60 times the allowable uh, limit for aluminum at 60 milligrams per liter in some of the waters of California. The soils have become toxic many thousands of times more than what should be allowed. So uh, the aluminum is there. People that are that have their blood sampled that live in these areas where they see chemtrails have aluminum a hundred times higher than what they should and a hundred times higher than any other toxin that's in their blood. So chemtrails are pretty devastating. And so the air is now considered a source of aluminum contamination for humans. Getting on to the water, how does aluminum get in water? And that's from using aluminum sulfate. Now, most of the domestic wastewater treatment systems in the modern world used aluminum sulfate because when they put it in the water, it has a tendency to clean the water. It flocculates. And that's kind of a funny word just to say that it attaches to particles and helps them sink out of the water. And so they take that water that's cleaner and then they'll, you know, treat it further and then they'll send it out uh, for people to obviously use in their households. So it winds up that the uh, water treated with aluminum sulfate still has aluminum. And if you drink this without treating it, say with uh, activated carbon filter, you will take in the aluminum and a certain amount uh, will be absorbed into the body. So that's something that everyone can be exposed to. Uh, probably one of the biggest sources of aluminum is going to be in antacids. Anybody who's taking antacids. Now, one in three people from the modern world suffers from reflux acid uh, indigestion, heartburn. And a quarter of all those people suffering from that are going to be taking a powdered antacid tablet. And you're going to get 500 milligrams of aluminum per tablet. 
And this is going to end up causing neurological disease. Now, the mind blower here, besides the a huge amount, is that on this paper of the wrapper or on the label of the container of the antacid, it's going to tell you, look, if you take too much of this, it's going to cause neurological disease like Alzheimer's. If they openly admit this, this, that aluminum is associated with Alzheimer's. Look, at this is what happens. Now, if you look inside the brains of people who have Alzheimer's in the areas of the hippocampal, hippocampus, rather, uh, the frontal cortex cortex, these are areas that accumulate mercury, you're uh, sorry, aluminum and mercury, actually, you're going to find that there are something called uh, beta, beta amyloid plaques. And these are basically nerve fibers that have been destroyed. And when they when you look under a microscope, and see these areas that have these distorted neurons as beta amyloid plaques. It's the telltale sign. It's the hallmark of the Alzheimer's disease. And everybody agrees with that. The MDs and, and guys like me, uh, we agree on the, uh, but what is the mind blower is that the aluminum concentration in these areas of the brain are significantly higher than all the rest of the areas of the brain and all the rest of the areas of the body. So the aluminum preferentially accumulates in that area of the brain and causes Alzheimer's. Now, when you detox from the aluminum by, by drinking orthosilicic acid, which is going to be your mineral water set like Fiji or Volvic, or you can even make your own silica orthosilicic acid uh, water and drink it, you will reduce the symptoms of Alzheimer's and you can completely reverse that disease. It's well documented. Okay, so getting oh, back so, to the so, real so, one, one second. So do you have you worked with people that have some degree of cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's and yes. you know, yes. you help them and, and what have you noticed? Okay, so when I was young, I was a uh, nurse aide and I was uh, working with Alzheimer's patients and I got to see firsthand what, how debilitating and what a horrible disease it is. And when I got older and began to work as an atropathic doctor, I would see some of the effects. I would see definitely the short-term memory loss, the inability to recognize people. One of my clients I saw on the street did not recognize me. And he looked me straight in the face. He says, yeah, Bill is helping me out with Rife technology. And I didn't say anything, of course. I just under my breath, I went, oh, I'm Bill. And so what happens is there's an inability to recognize people with short-term memory loss. And that's heavy metals in the areas of the brain responsible for recognition and short-term memory. And yes, I am helping people with that. But it's kind of a lot of education and it's a lot of setting up of detox methods. And some people need help. You have to have helpers if you're particularly suffering from symptoms of Alzheimer's, you need someone to help you because after all, the short-term memory problem is going to be difficult when you have to take water every so often during the day. As a chelator of aluminum, orthosilicic acid will hang on to that aluminum for three hours. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. 
So it's necessarily necessary to drink the the regular mineral water throughout the day, which is very tasty and it's very good for you anyway, because you know one of the ways you detox is drinking a lot of filtered water. And so you get rid of the aluminum and it will remove all the aluminum from the brain and, and reverse the symptoms of Alzheimer's. Now, some of the other uh, sources would be food, uh, 24 milligrams per day. If you live in the modern world, you're taking in from processed foods such as baking powder. Uh, there's bread whiteners made of aluminum. Uh, pretzels have uh, aluminum hydroxide in the base that they use for uh, baking pretzels. And you're going to absorb somewhere around 30% of all the aluminum you take in from your diet. So processed foods are the main source there. Also tea and coffee, which exists in acid soils, will pick up aluminum. Uh, what else? You know, one of the big devastating uh, stories uh, that I read is about aluminum cookware and aluminum utensils. Anybody who's using aluminum cookware is going to develop Alzheimer's and dementia. It's a it's a, a dead giveaway. I mean, it's just the way it is because of all the aluminum you take in your body by doing that. Uh, other sources, aluminum cans. If you drink a beer out of aluminum cans, you're picking up aluminum. Antiperspirants, uh, you're going to absorb somewhere around 1% of all the aluminum that you use in, in aluminum containing antiperspirants. Now, the good news is there's very good antiperspirants or deodorants rather that don't contain aluminum. I use them. They work. Here's another mind blower, two more mind blowers here, and that is sunscreen. Uh, many of the prominent sunscreens contain aluminum. And if you're adding sunscreen, you're going to get 200 milligrams of aluminum on your skin, and you're going to absorb a certain amount of that, probably very little, 1%, but you're still getting, and there's a lot of aluminum, I got to tell you. Here is the big, here's, here's a doozy. I just couldn't believe this. Studying the work of Dr. Chris Exley. He's a professor and scientist in the UK, absolutely the biggest name in aluminum toxicity. And what he did was study the amount of aluminum that people get from smoking tobacco, because tobacco picks up aluminum. And what he determined was that there was a tremendous amount of aluminum coming from E cigarettes, so vaping. And he figured out the aluminum was coming from the heating element, that the aluminum from the heating element in the vaping, you know, cigarette, your aluminum cigarette that you're smoking, getting in your vapor, uh, was actually contributing to aluminum into the body. Okay. And so that was an absolute mind blower. So we can see that we've had already, I think, 10. And the last one, of course, is is vaccines after food containers, but I kind of covered that already. Vaccines, 0.125 milligrams of aluminum. Now that's a tiny drop. That's probably the smallest amount of aluminum you're going to get. So what is my problem? Well, my problem is that when you inject aluminum into the muscle area, it contains probably a thousand times more. It creates a thousand times more inflammation than what you would get from ingesting aluminum. Now, having studied all of the research on vaccines and aluminum adjuvants, we find that the vaccines safe given to people in areas of Africa for measles and things like this that don't contain aluminum elicit an immune response that is totally different from the immune response that you would get from uh, a, a certain vaccine that doesn't contain aluminum. So in other words, an aluminum adjuvant would give you a certain immune response and then another vaccine, not containing aluminum, but containing the particular infectious component that elicits the immune response, it's those two pathways are totally different. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. 
So let's say I, I was to give uh, people of Guinea, and that's one of the studies I read, a vaccine for measles, and it doesn't contain the aluminum adjuvant. It elicits an immune response that promotes resistance against the measles disease as well as other diseases. It promotes a good immune response, a proper amount of inflammation. When I add the aluminum adjuvant, it creates a separate immune system pathway. And this is where we get into the cytokine storm and the uh, recycling of uh, inflammatory markers that creates a huge amount of inflammation in the human body, adding to and creating autoimmune disorders. And that is just an incredible story. I believe the book is called Silica Water, The Secret of Healthy Blue uh, Zone Longevity in the Aluminum Age, a fellow by the name of Dr. Dennis Krauss wrote it. So what, what's the purpose of the adjuvant? Is it do mm-hmm. the providers believe it won't work without it or... Okay. Do they see that the vaccines provide cross immunity and therefore they want to include it to silo out the effects? Or what's the reason? Okay, the aluminum adjuvant is added according to the powers that be to promote an immune response, and it does. The unfortunate part about is is that it kills people. The aluminum uh, creates such a horrible autoimmune response. Well, look at what's do- what it's doing right now with the vaccines. It's causing blood clots and all kinds of autoimmune disorders. It's only going to get worse from what I read. Look, uh, an adjuvant's not supposed to do that. It's supposed to work in concert with the the viral protein or whatever you're using to cr- help that viral protein or that dead virus or the attenuated virus promote a resistance against a disease to prevent uh, getting a disease. It's supposed to work with it, not by in and of itself, create more problems uh, of autoimmune disorder by creating such a huge amount of inflammation. Once that aluminum gets into the muscle, uh, macrophages, the white blood cells will go into that area gobble up that aluminum and carry it to the rest of the body. In the process, that that macrophage will create a tremendous cascade effect of inflammatory conditions which result in autoimmune disorders. And what happens is when that adjuvant is added, it winds up causing more disease problems uh, than the disease itself. And that's what we've seen in studies that are done in areas where you can get a vaccine without an adjuvant. I don't even know if you can get a vaccine without an adjuvant in the United States because the pharmaceutical industry has a monopoly on all that stuff. And they pressure doctors to actually use the adjuvants just like they pressure the dentist to use mercury feelings they used to but people i guess wised up okay so those are your 11 sources of where you're getting your aluminum and it's important to avoid all 11 now the good news i have you know this was a lot of bad news as far as i'm concerned but the good news is there is a way to detox from aluminum that's so easy it's far 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 uh easier than detoxing from mercury and it can be done in a matter of months and the way you do it is orthosilicic acid and this is a type of silica which strongly binds to aluminum in the blood and then the kidney can remove it as well as the gastrointestinal tract and the sweat glands. So you can sweat this aluminum out of your body. And so that's done by drinking 1.5 liters of day. And that's a cup every three hours of a mineral water that contains the proper uh, type of silica known as orthosilicic acid. Now, that's the good news. Another way of getting this orthosilicic acid is by eating the right type of foods. And when I did a cursory search on the internet, I looked for, you know, what does the internet say about detoxing from aluminum? And one of the things it said, well, eat more green beans. And I said, ha ha, right. But as it turns out, green beans have a decent amount 
of orthosilicic acid and silica in the form of phytoliths. Okay, so now we're going to have to talk about what the heck is a phytolith. As it turns out, aluminum is toxic to most every kind of organism on this planet, and the, the, including the plants. Plants not only can't use aluminum, because aluminum really has no place in any metabolism. I mean, it's just toxic to everything. So plants basically take the aluminum, combine it with silica, and form hydroxyaluminum silicate. And that's what we do when we drink the orthosilicic acid or we take in the silica from vegetables. So when these uh, vegetables that we eat take that aluminum and bind it with silica, it forms a nano-sized rock called phytolith. And if you consume that phytolith, it will increase the ability of you to absorb aluminum in the gut and pass it out through the gastrointestinal tract. Now, green beans contain 2.5 milligrams of silica, a good type of silica, but there's something else you need to look at. And that's the percent of absorption through the gut. If you don't look at that, then you're going to be misled. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. So green beans have 50% absorption value in the gut. So if you're eating green beans, you're absorbing the silica at a good rate because they contain a decent amount of silica. What else? Well, as it turns out, whole oats contain a lot of orthosilicic acid and silica uh, in the order of hundreds of milligrams per 100 gram that you consume, but it has to be the whole oat. If you process the whole oat and remove the outer hull, you're going to get about 10% of the silica. That is because most of the silica in plants is found in the skins and the outer covering. That's where the silica ends up. So that's why people say, well, most of the nutrition in, in vegetables in, is in the skin. And you know what? They're right. They're right. And whole oats actually has 49% absorption rate. So if you're eating these foods, you're getting silica and you're detoxing from aluminum. Now, back in the day, they, there was a fellow by the name of Hippocrates who said, let food be thy medicine. And I'm saying let food and water be thy medicine because they're both very good in certain types uh, and getting rid of and binding aluminum and get rid of it. Another one, and this is going to be, this is probably kind of humorous, is barley. 109 milligrams of orthosilicic acid per 100 grams, and it's got a great absorption rate again at 49%. Now, where does that barley end up? Well, it ends up in beer, believe it or not. And so, Indian pale ales that are high in barley content have a lot of orthosilicic acid, like 150 milligrams, uh, something like that per, per liter, depending on the type. And so uh, drinking beer, uh, and obviously not a ton of it, but it's a certain amount is actually good for you in terms of detoxing from aluminum. Now, funny thing, I guess somewhere somebody's laughing really hard, but a funny thing is during my study of mercury, when the mercury miners of Almaden, Spain, which is the biggest mercury mine in the world now shut down, when they got mercury toxic, the some of the guys would kid the ones that got mercury toxic and say, hey man, you need to go to the beach and drink some beer. And so what happens is they put them in this room of heat lamps and the, and the mi mercury miners that were toxic would sweat out all the mercury and then they would drink weak beer because when they drank alcohol it would promote the release of mercury as a gas in in the breath as you exhaled now that's kind of a long story and the metabolic functions there are complex i've described it in my book but i think it's kind of odd and so much humorous that beer ends up as an ability to get rid of heavy metals i love that i like beer probably it likes me too it's putting weight on me okay one of the other things is potatoes 93 milligrams per 100 gram and 21 percent absorption now 
Funny thing here is that there's hardly any silica in meat. Okay. That's just the way it is because animals generally pass the silica straight through the intestine and it absorbs things in the intestine. So the only way you're going to get uh, silica into the blood to chelate aluminum is going to be through orthosilicic acid. And the only way you're going to get silica from plants is if it's grown on soils that contain silica. And generally, modern agriculture doesn't really put silica in the soils. Now, if you look at something like fish, it doesn't really contain much silica. However, mussels do. And that's probably from their consumption of algae. Remember, diatoms contain a lot of silica. The outer covering of the, of the diatom algae contains silica. Quick question here, Bill. So you identify the 11 sources of aluminum. Right. If the average person has X number of them pretty regularly in their diet or their mm-hmm. deodorant or et cetera. Right. You know, and they drink beer and they eat, you know, different mollusks, et cetera. It doesn't sound like based on statistics, that that's nearly enough to stop the toxicity. It's not like okay. you can just, you know, have whatever you want. Uh-huh. Or, you know, if you eat these certain foods, you'll be fine. Like, what's the, the actual okay. dynamic? How much aluminum do people take in and okay. will this offset so, it totally? Right. So to get into that, we need to talk about detoxifiers. As just described by Dr. Chris Shade and his study of mercury, it's the same thing for aluminum. A third, approximately a third of the people are good detoxifiers. And Dr. Ben Lynch talked about this in his book called Dirty Genes. And what that means is a certain number of people are genetically predisposed of getting rid of heavy metals because they produce more glutathione. They have genes that are turned on by eating the right foods in the diet. Turn on the genes for detox. You're going to get rid of your heavy metals. Now, there's a third of the people that are going to be okay detoxifiers and get rid of a certain amount. And a third of the people in the modern world that just will not detoxify uh, from heavy metals. And those are the ones that are going to become uh, heavy metal toxic. Now you hear people, some of the health people like uh, me talk about, oh, well, I'm not a methyl. I don't, I don't produce methyl groups or I'm not a methyl. I don't have methyl donors. And what that means is when the methyl group attaches to the DNA, it turns on the genes for the production of glutathione. And you're here talking to Crochet talking about the NF, NRF2 uh, promoters of detox uh, that turn on the g- path genetic pathways that produce proteins for detox. And so that's what that means. So if you're a person, now how do you find that out? Well, if you're a person that does a hair test, and we'll get into this now, it's a good time. Uh, you basically take a tablespoon of untreated hair, it could be body hair, or hair on your head that's not colored, and you send it off to a lab. What you'll get back is something very important because you're going to figure out if you have any mineral deficiencies. So there's a certain amount of minerals in your blood that attach to the hair follicle and it ends up over a period of a couple of weeks represented as a hair sample. And what you find out is if that some of your minerals are way too high in the blood and some are way too low, you'll get what Dr. Andrew Cutler called deranged mineral transport. It just means that the heavy metals in your body are interfering with the good metals and prevent preventing them from being absorbed, uh, transferred, and utilized. So you're going to have all kinds of disruptions with the good minerals in your body. And you won't know that maybe because the body may be taking the heavy metals and putting them into, well, kidneys if you're mercury toxic or into the brain if you're aluminum toxic. And so as it's sequestering these these heavy metals into these areas of, of deposition, it's also causing problems with the good minerals in your body. So when you get that hair test and you see, oh my God, my minerals are way out of whack, you might have to take some zinc if you're really low in that and that will help you feel better and detox. And then once you begin sweat therapies 
or once you begin your intestinal binders like chlorella and spirulina, you can look that up online to find out how that binds uh, heavy metals in the gut. And also you get into things like liposomal vitamin C, which promotes glutathione production. Now, glutathione is the body's master antioxidant and chelator of heavy metals. And once you start producing more glutathione, uh, it attaches with carrier proteins in the blood, passes around through the, passes through the liver, through the gastrointestinal tract, and out through the gastrointestinal tract with regular daily excretion. Now, what may happen is when you're processing fats and digesting them, that heavy metal bound to the carrier protein and fat may get passed through the hepatoportal vein back through the liver and the glutathione might let go of the heavy metal and then we get what we call redistribution and potentially develop detox symptoms, you know, sometimes headaches, body aches, sometimes fatigue. Those are the common ones, maybe insomnia and so on. So you're going to have to have an intestinal binder. That's where the chlorella and spirulina comes in. So we have sweat therapies. You're passing out those heavy metals out of your sweat and things like arsenic and lead can be three to four times higher in concentration in the sweat compared to blood. So sweat is like a third kidney you're using. Every Everybody needs to sweat in this day and age because we're all subject to heavy metals, unfortunately, now more than ever. So sweat therapies, intestinal binders, and you're increasing glutathione by eating more antioxidants or you're taking liposomal vitamin C and you're producing more glutathione. And, and, and so that is the way to do it. Also, leafy greens contain what we call methylfolate, methyl donors, okay, which will donate a methyl group and turn on the genes for the genetic production of glutathione and then you're going to start dumping heavy metals. And Dr. Ben Lynch talks about that in his book called Dirty Genes, which is a really good read. I really enjoyed that. Okay, so, so Bill, that, do, go ahead. Do, do people get sick when they're detoxing? And again, yeah. other question is, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't watch what you're eating and putting into you and on you, is there any way to outstrip the stuff that you're taking in where you could be healthy or no? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all of this stuff is avoidable except what's in the air. So for instance, your tap water, you can use a a water filter that has uh, activated carbon. You can measure the total dissolved solids to make sure it's working. And the activated carbon will remove the aluminum. Uh, Food, avoid eating processed foods. Medicines, don't take antacids. Find something a better way. You know, use Rive technology can reverse uh, reflux acid disease. I've done it for people. Uh, Vaccines, avoid adjuvants. Cookware, don't use aluminum cookware. Avoid food containers and aluminum cans that contain aluminum. Don't use e-cigarettes, okay? They're going to produce aluminum. Stay, they have all natural sunscreens. Uh, You can get a sunscreen that doesn't contain aluminum. It works just fine. I have some. I use it all the time in Panama when I'm going to be out outside all day. I have Northern European skin. It doesn't like the, the mighty sun here. All these things are avoidable. Uh, getting orthosilicic acid is very, into your diet is super easy. Organic vegetables, organic grains, whole oats, barley, potatoes, green beans. Drinking orthosilicic acid, those mineral waters, Fiji's and the vulvic, vulvic waters, they're absolutely delicious. They've got a mellow flavor, like a smooth flavor, they call it. And I drink them. Believe me, I could drink three or four liters a day of that stuff. Unfortunately, obviously, it's going to get expensive. I dig that. So you can create your own uh, orthosilicic acid by combining in very specific amounts sodium silicates and sodium bisulfates in very specific amounts through a procedure where you're boiling this stuff and then you're cooling it and adding it to a gallon of water. And this you can find online on YouTube or you can go into the books and find out how to make that. It's very, very cheap. You just have to find the particular uh, ingredients that 
that are going to have to be pharmaceutical grade so you're not getting in any contaminants. So you can make your own silica water. You can eat the right types of food. And it's very easy to avoid aluminum in everything except the air. It's hard not to breathe. And I don't expect people to walk around with a gas mask. I can dig that. So obviously it's a real bummer to try to avoid aluminum in the atmosphere from the chemtrails, which, by the way, what way I think are absolutely real after my study. And unfortunately, I've got a lot of friends in the military, and they, they won't even talk to me about it. My, my retired friends from the Air Force, they'll walk away from it. they say, there's no such thing. It's all, it's all a condensation trail coming out of the back of a plane. You don't know what you're talking about. And they get angry at me. And I say, well, you know, if we can't talk about this, we're not going to talk about it. And we don't. We get together, we, you know, we have our beers and we, we, uh, we, uh, uh, you know, we dance with our wives and we sing our songs and, and then we go home and we don't discuss that. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. That's all right. You know, they're still my good friends, but obviously there's certain things I can't discuss with certain people because they're not ready for that. <laughs> and enlightenment may be disturbing. I got to say that once you know, you can't unknow. And they say the truth will set you free, but I, fo- I found it very binding. <laughs> once you know, and then once you know, you want to know more, boy, and then you down that rabbit oh. hole you go. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I know chemtrails, chem you know, and flash into my mind, conspiracy theory. And, but nowadays everything's called that, you know. Yep. Given a lot of true things. What, yep. what did you learn about, like, why would there, is it just because of the operation of certain planes that, uh, you know, the chemicals that they leave behind in the sky are just toxic or like what happens to them? What, what have you learned about it? Okay. There are special applicators or transmitters or whatever you'd like to call it. And you can go to geoengineeringwatch.org and they'll show you all about it. So there's special devices on the plane that release these particular contaminants into the atmosphere. You'll see them as long, thin, white clouds going across from the horizon and they don't evaporate like a condensation trail is supposed to evaporate within a matter of minutes. And the chemtrail stays in the atmosphere for hours so if you see a thin white line across the horizon that's in there, that's up there for hours, you can bet it's not normal and it's very likely a chemtrail. Now, if you take a look at the pictures from California, you'll see crisscrosses all over the atmosphere, which just looks very disturbing. I haven't seen that. In Panama, I may see a white line going all the way across the horizon now and again, but not really that prevalent. Supposedly, a lot of the chemtrails have been stopped in certain areas, but you'll see areas of forest that are dying from high uh, amounts of aluminum in the soils, and that can be measured. That can be measured. It's not like, oh, my God, I can't see this. It's all conspiracy. Oh, no. We go into the soils. You can measure the aluminum in the soil. Back in the day when there was acid rain and the acid rain had a pH of less than 4.5, it would release the aluminum into the water of the lakes in places where it came from, like northeastern Pennsylvania. An aluminum content of simply 1.5 milligrams per liter will kill fish. So if you have a fish kill in a lake and, and it's acid and you have no idea, first thing you do is get your water sample and measure the aluminum. That's the first thing you want to do. And if it's above 1.5, you don't have to look any further. That's the result. Uh, that's going to result in a fish kill. It's well, 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 well documented from decades and decades ago. And if you want to rescue that lake, you can put your silica in there. And by God, it'll, it'll bind that aluminum as a hydroxy aluminum silicate. And it will uh, sediment out of that lake. And potentially there's certain plants that will absorb heavy metals. One of them is horsetail. There's another one is probably uh, various water plants. You can look them all up. I think water highest that there's one. It'll absorb heavy metals. And then if you take that plant out, you can remove the heavy metals from the water and actually clean the water. So it's Oh, what, what does that do story. for a, a lake or a stream if you 
deliberately plant plants to take out the aluminum? What happens to the, the body of water? Well, you will eventually clean it up. You absolutely, there are plants that you can use as sacrificial plants that will clean the water. It's well docked. And there's certain plants on land that will do the same thing, preferentially absorb the mercury. But then those plants have to be removed and stored properly. You have to figure out how, where you're going to do with them and how, how you're going to handle that excess amount of heavy metals. You obviously can't put it back on the land to be reabsorbed. And if you burn them, that mercury is going up into the atmosphere. So that's another story. I mean, how are you going what, to What have you noticed with a, a body of water? before and after it's uh, it's filtered like that, what's observed? Well, you can't remove, you can't remove the aluminum. Hey, look, one of the easiest ways to do it is just add a certain amount of sodium bicarbonate. On a, Obviously, you can't do this in a large lake, but if you have a pond that has acid rain, you can add bicarbonates and just like I do in aquaculture, when I want to raise the pH from for as it as from nitrification that produces acidity, the pH goes down. Maybe it goes down below seven. You can add sodium bicarbonates to the water and raise the pH. Once you raise the pH above six, well, that aluminum is going to precipitate because aluminum is only really readily available at lower pHs below four point five. And obviously, you're not going to have that in a water body uh, that has fish because the fish won't like that. They like they like a, a neutral pH. So do the plants, you know, are slightly acidic for some species of fish, but by and large, the majority of fish will pres- will will like a, a pH of uh, of seven point five or slightly uh, uh, neutral, and uh, that's when the aluminum basically precipitates out. So when you have acid rain, and eventually you get rid of the acid rain by cutting back on the sulfur emissions from things like uh, coal coal burning power plants, uh, and you get rid of some of the the nitrogen that's in the atmosphere, uh, and nitrogen particulates, and so on. You will you will get rid of the uh, the acid rain, and they have they have it's gotten much better over the years, uh, and you don't have the acid rain and the aluminum in the waters like you used to. I'm going to say 30 years ago when I was an undergrad, uh, you could you know aluminum and and uh, uh, acid rain and acid in lakes was a big thing, and when you went to fish in a lake, you wouldn't find anything. I've been there in northeastern Pennsylvania fishing for. For, for largemouth bass, and you'd be lucky if you caught one fish. They're just dead. Right now, I, as an aside, in the streams of Panama, uh, I have a naturalist friend, uh, Frank Gruber, who I work with, who's an herbalist and uh, uh, a guy who really gets into the Comarcas, which are the Indian reservation places the indigenous people live. And he goes into the streams and looks at uh, the animals you find there, and he says there's nothing there. And that's from the agrochemicals. Uh, the glyphosates are so incredibly toxic. And by the way, that's a chelator of having Heavy metals. That's the original purpose of glyphosate is a chelator of heavy metals. So all that stuff, and they use such a tremendous amount of agrochemicals here in Panama that the streams are void of life. They're actually dead. So right now he can't catch any of the crayfish that you used to be able to catch. The old timers used to catch with these traps. There used to be freshwater shrimp in the rivers, and now there aren't any. And I keep asking more people, hey, have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen this freshwater shrimp in the, in the stream? Have you ever seen this crayfish in the stream? They say, no, they're gone. They're all gone. What, what happens in the bodies of water that you've seen that people did do the work to remove the heavy metals? What happens? Is it, oh, you, you know, you, does, you, does anything come back or does it just sit there dead and done? No, no, it will come back. You can, you, there is reclamation. Uh, procedures and protocols that you can put in motion. The problem is it can make it very expensive for large lakes to treat an, as, uh, an insane amount of water. But 
you know, it it has happened. You can look up the papers where people have looked at lakes that have been dead and they've restocked after once the once the uh, acid rain was cut back. There are natural carbonates in the water. Limestone streams, for instance, contain carbonates from calcium carbonate. So calcium carbonate is soluble below a pH of seven. And so it will dissolve carbonates from limestone and limestone containing rocks and, and the pH will rise naturally over time. And then you can uh, uh, restock a, a lake that has suffered from acid rain and you can rehabilitate. And those, those papers and those studies are online. It's not so much of a deal now because they cut down on the acid rain because coal burning power plants got scrubbers that scrub all the crud out of the, of, out of the exhaust. So you don't have that kind of pollution. You do in China. I don't think they use any, any kind of, there's no EPA there. They do whatever they want. And all of the mercury is coming from China, lesser amounts from India. India and China are producing 90% of all the mercury emissions these days from, from burning stuff. They just don't, have any concern for the environment there just isn't anything there uh, from all the all the books and all the papers i've read over so many years that's where all your mercury's gone and the epa will show you uh, uh, papers and charts on that they they did all the sampling of the atmosphere they know what's going on and, and anybody who wants to learn go on the internet and start reading papers like i do every day and and then you'll educate and empower yourself uh, to know about mercury to know about aluminum where does it come from how does it get in their body how to remove it you know these are all doable things 90 percent of everything you're going to do you can do on your own you don't well need let's a, recap uh, go ahead. yeah let's recap what are what are two or three things people could do to to chelate or remove some of the heavy metals from their body and what will they mm-hmm. experience when they do it will they get sick will they you know like okay. what just in general what do you okay observe? so it depends on the amount of aluminum you already have in your body if you're suffering from Alzheimer's symptoms, it's most definitely related to heavy metals. The research is overwhelmingly pointing in that direction to what I've already talked about. So the first thing is prevention. Uh, going through that those that list of things, you know, don't drink from aluminum containers. Get rid of your aluminum cookware. Avoid the foods, the processed foods. Don't use aluminum in antiperspirants. Uh, you can get non-aluminum antiperspirants or deodorants that work just fine. I use them. Uh, avoid uh, unfiltered tap water. Avoid aluminum-containing sunscreens. Don't use e-cigarettes. All right. Like avoid aluminum cans. Avoid aluminum adjuvants and vaccines. That's the first thing. The second step to recap is eat the organic foods that are high in silica normally. And that's organic soils that have silica produce these things like green beans and whole oats with all the all the good stuff attached to it, not processed. Barley, um, potatoes, and other vegetables. Leafy greens, by the way, contain a good amount of orthosilicic acid. And they have your methylfolate, which is good for turning on your genes for producing glutathione. And so that's the second thing is get that diet that contain orthosilicic acid. Now, the third and potentially the most important thing I have to tell anybody who's listening right now is that there are orthosilicic acid containing uh, mineral waters such as Fiji and Volvic and others. Look on the label. It'll say silica it needs to be at least 30 or 50 milligrams per liter. And you can look that up online. And these are the real means of of getting rid of uh, aluminum out of the body. Not only will it prevent you from absorbing aluminum, if there's aluminum in your diet or in your body from these different types of aluminum containing products, but it will completely remove all of the aluminum from your body. And if you're seriously toxic from aluminum, like suffering from severe Alzheimer's symptoms, it may take in the matter of years as some of these long term studies have shown, but 
The good news is that Alzheimer's can be completely reversed by chelating with the proper form of silica, which is orthosilicic acid. So quick, you, quick question right, here. If right. someone has to get, you know, one of the new uh, quaxines, how, what would be a protocol for them to prepare themselves? If they had to, they really, you know, unfortunately feel like they have no choice or it's a gun uh-huh. to their head. Right. Would they start having these high silica, you know, waters, let's say a week before and through or what? Yes. You know, if you were to come up with some kind of protocol that protects somebody, what would it be? Uh I would say for sure, I would try to remove all of the aluminum from your body before you go to get that. Now, here's the thing that I didn't talk about, but I'm glad you brought it up, is that once the macrophages go to the site of the vaccine and absorb the aluminum, the antibodies will tag aluminum as being a an enemy, as being uh, something that we need to attack, and that's going to elicit the immune res- uh, inflammatory response. And then further intake of aluminum will increase the inflammatory response. And anyone who knows about the cytokine storm and all that business knows well what I'm talking about. It's the second time that the body sees that aluminum once it's been alerted to the fact that aluminum is in the body and it's attached to a white blood cell and the antibodies are attached to it and it's signaling and the antibodies make mistakes. So when they attach to this thing and the body makes mistakes, anything that resembles aluminum toxicity is attacked. And once it's attacked, it leads to autoimmune disorders and the body will attack its own tissues and create destruction. This is what the blood clots and all this other business are about from people getting vaccines. Oh, well, it's part of the vaccine process. The hell you say it's not part of it because uh, vaccines that don't contain aluminum adjuvants are far more effective. Look it up in the research and, and show it to yourself. Prove it to yourself because aluminum is just bad news when it, when it comes to vaccines. And it's probably just as bad as mercury that they, they, they used to use and as an adjuvant. So I would say try to remove as much aluminum as you can. If you can't afford these waters because they can get expensive. I know that because I bought them. Uh, the best thing is to try to look at your organic uh, orthosilicic vegetables. They are effective if you eat a lot of them. And also look at the, you know, the synthetic uh, silicic acid, orthosilicic acid. It's not that hard to do. It's very simple. You can do it in 10 minutes with some simple compounds. If you've had or, uh, inorganic chemistry in high school, boy, you can do it. You know, trust me on that. Try it. It's not expensive, and you can put that, make yourself a gallon of what they call silicate, which is a silicon-tained water, and you can detox yourself from the aluminum before you go into the, going in to get your aluminum-containing vaccine. But for me, they're going to have to kill me to get me to take the vaccine. I won't take it because I know how dangerous it is, and I know uh, the repercussions are probably, uh, there's a, uh, a chance I'm going to die anyway. And I don't go for it. Right. I, I ain't one of those type of guys that sits down for such, you know, I, I won't even wear a mask half the time, and I'll get in an argument with somebody in the supermarket because I consider it a violation of my human rights. Well, Bill, very good. Thank you again, as usual, for coming, and uh, I appreciate it. And where's the best way for people to engage with you on various issues? Where can they find you? Okay, they'll find me on my website, which is newaquatechpanama.com. So that's www.newaquatechpanama.com. And when you go there, you'll see uh, links for my books. I'm going to give away the first chapter of my aluminum book online that I'm writing now, which is going to contain a lot of the information I talked to you today. Also, all my podcasts, links to all the podcasts, the articles, and everything else that I do is all going to be on my website. It's all free, except for my book. Obviously, that's going to be a, a certain amount of money you can buy off the Amazon, or I'm going to sell it on my website too now, I think. And of course, uh, you're
you're going to be able to get my aluminum book when it comes out. Probably another month I need to finish it up because it's... Well, very good. Well, Bill, thank you for coming back again. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I look forward to doing it again real soon. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.